0: We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom.
1: I just don't fathom it.
0: The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world.
3: Okay, it's Tuesday, and we are ready to go. The Michael Dukes Show, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station, and or FM translator and live around the world at michaeldukeshow.com on the internet uh, where you'll find uh, all links to everything. Social media, podcasts, the whole, the whole schmear, the whole schmear. Good morning and welcome to it. Burr, chilly burr. Still a little cool around the old homestead this morning. Zero degrees here. Uh, at the Radio Ranch, overlooking the beautiful Knick Arm uh, here uh, in the Matsu, and uh, still a little chilly as we expect and experience those uh, temperatures throughout the state. Uh, but spring is on the horizon. Tomorrow is March 1st. I don't know how we got here so fast. As I get older, the days just, <laughs> it's like a rapid fire, they just flash right by. Your whole life flashes before your eyes. Uh, And that's okay. That's okay. We've got uh, a lot of stuff to talk about today. It is Tuesday, and that means that we are going to be uh, going over the weekly top three with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Who's gonna be coming in with us in just a few minutes here and talking about uh, three big talk uh, topics, including the staggering amount of money being funneled uh, from the lower 80% to the upper 20%, um, how Zach Fields proposes to shift even more of that money. And of course, the pleas for the Cook Inlet dollars have now begun. Uh, and we'll get a full detailed rundown from Brad on all of those topics here, starting in just a few minutes and uh he of course is with Alaskans for sustainable budgets and we'll see what we'll see what he has to say on that and more. Then in hour 2 of the program we will hang out with uh Chris Story um and get our weekly life coaching lesson done with Chris Story um and he'll uh, he'll come in and I don't know it's just a little bit of a positivity boost which we need sometimes after we are done with Brad. <laughs> Uh, and it should be a, it should be a fun, fun time. And of course, a plethora of headlines that we are going to go over here in a few minutes and, uh, just kind of give you a, you know, a feel for what's happening here in the state of Alaska. And, uh, oh man, some of these, some of these things i just I just don't even know what to say uh, about. I mean, first and foremost, I guess we should uh, talk a little bit here um, about uh, the spending cap, the spending limit, which is uh, working its way through the House of Representatives right now, the State House, um, the uh, proposed policies you we've talked about them here on the program. Uh, originally proposed by Senator James Kaufman, um, basically would tie the spending in the state to the gross domestic product, less the input from the public sector. State spending would not affect the uh, the cap. Uh, it would be tied exclusively to the private sector, which i'm not uh i'm not opposed to i think that that's probably a good idea and not only that it is uh, tied to a uh, five-year rolling average of the gdp of the state the gross domestic product uh it has two separate components to it one is a statutory limit which is set at 11.5 percent of the state gdp um, and then there is a constitutional limit which would be set at fourteen percent of GDP. Now, why the two different pieces? Well, because we know we know just how much the legislature loves to ignore the statutory law that they that they don't even see it. I don't think they see it as anything but a freaking speed bump, right? I mean, they just I mean it's. It's on and set. Um, and uh, they, uh, you know, th- but this is part of the plan. This is this is kind of part of the plan. This was a component of what the Fiscal Policy Working Group talked about. Uh, Will Stapp is the lead sponsor of the bill in the House. He has spoken in favor of it. It is now advancing out of the... Um, um, it is now advancing out of the uh, House uh, committee and it is moving on. Uh, it, it's moving on to other discussions as we will see here um, uh, in the coming days. Uh, one of the people, of course, who has been one of the more, I don't know if I want to say outspoken opponents of it, other than, I mean, he wants. He says he's in favor of a spending cap, but he wants it to be kind of, quote, unquote, the right one. And he points out it's Cliff Groh, by the way, is who I'm talking about he points out that um, it also is a component of the uh, fiscal policy working group. He's taken a page from our book to talk about that. But here's an interesting twist on it. um <laughs> The bipartisan working group recommended in 2021 that a framework for a new fiscal plan that included a tighter spending limit be put in place alongside other elements, such as a new formula for the permanent fund dividend and new revenue sources. Lawmakers did not act on the recommendations from that group, which included advancing all elements of the plan concurrently but have said they will use a plan as a starting point for renewed discussions this year. Remember, that was one of the key components of the plan, was that it had to be done holistically, that it had to be done all in as a a piece, that you couldn't just break off uh, one piece here, one piece there, and try to advance one piece every year or something like that, because it would all get lost in the shuffle. Grow agreed and said a comprehensive solution to Alaska's fiscal troubles requires a number of pieces of legislation moving together. I just think that forging ahead with a spending cap while leaving the other pieces behind is counterproductive. And yet I don't see any bills from Cliff Grow putting forward any other components of this plan. So it's easy to go back and say, well, you know, they said it should all be done concurrently, so we shouldn't do anything. Well, no. Will Staff is putting forward the spending cap component of the plan. How about you put together a part about the cuts or a part about the new revenue sources or a part about refactoring the PFD? How about you put something else in there instead of just saying, well, you know, that it's not good. It's. This is the this is part and parcel of the problem here is that it they're going to try and use that one phrase to submarine anything singly that comes through, but they themselves are not willing to bring forward other components of the uh of the uh, recommendations from the fiscal policy working group, which is just <clears throat> irritating to say the least. Then you've got the um Then you've got the uh, State Officers Compensation Commission, which is a um, board that is made up of five members appointed by the governor who recommend uh, salaries and emoluments, uh, basically, for various elected and appointed officials like, you know, the governor, the lieutenant governor, commissioners, the legislature, things like that. The Senate yesterday unanimously rejected a pay raise that had been recommended for the governor, the lieutenant governor, and the heads of the state agencies, and then called into question whether or not the State Officers Compensation Commission was. Uh, he goes, I don't even think that they're they're doing their job. Gary Stevens says, I just think we need to give up on that commission. They have never done their job or looked at things seriously. Basically saying, um. They haven't looked at legislator salary salary seriously and uh you know, and until they do, they're just basically a useless a useless commission. Now, that's not necessarily true because uh last year um, commissioners recommended the legislators' daily expense payments, the per diem, be slashed from three hundred a day to a hundred per day, and then that, that they raise their salaries to compensate. Um, they just didn't like the, the legislators just didn't like the package. Um, Larry Persilli is quoted here. I mean, Larry Persilli, uh, is quoted here. Uh, he's a member of the commission and owner of the, uh, Wrangell Sentinel. He said, recent commission meetings have been contentious and unproductive. There was no meaningful discussion about legislators' compensation packages. Um, some people have said, well, you know, when the legislators, who generally speaking are already, many of them already top 20 percent income earners, based on the salaries that we've seen here in the past few years from uh, and the requirements from the reporting from uh, APOC, um, they're doing okay, many of them. And even... I mean, the, the, the base pay for legislators, which is at $55,000 a year plus per diem, um, is somewhere in the neighborhood when it's all said and done, somewhere in the neighborhood of about $80,000 a year for the. what is supposed to be a three-month session. So – um, they're now they're saying, well, this commission is probably just useless, and I can already see the handwriting on the wall. They're going to try and dissolve this commission and make something that's probably a little more friendly to, uh, to uh, you know, uh, supporting a new uh, compensation plan for legislators. Stedman, uh, Bert Stedman, is quoted on the floor saying that the recommendations from last year were rejected because they did not cl- include a comprehensive plan to motivate the brightest Alaskans to public service, meaning we didn't offer enough money to everybody and uh, Stedman said the salary commission is rotten with politics, which it probably is, but I mean I I don't know I, I just <clears throat> we're squabbling over this when we should be looking at a long-term fiscal plan for the state I, I I don't know I don't know how to say this any other way. that's exactly what we're looking for. Uh, And then finally, we're going to talk about this with Brad Keithley, but uh, Zach Fields has got an opinion piece in the ADN that, uh, wow. I mean, he starts off his whole argument with uh, the whole, the comment that I said is going to be the bellwether hallmark of a push for not only taking the permanent fund, but for new taxes. He's already starting to make the argument. Once again, this year, Alaska is in an enviable position of being able to fund public services with a combination of sustainable earnings from the permanent fund and revenue from oil production, quote, even though individual Alaskans don't pay a cent in income or sales tax, unquote. The handwriting's on the wall, folks. The handwriting's on the wall. You could see it already well we don't pay taxes in alaska just like it's the only state in the u.s that has such wealth we don't do it so you should you should pay your fair share you should pay your way you should Mm Mm-hmm. yeah all right we gotta go we're gonna be back brad keith lee is our guest up cutting up next the michael duke show Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll return to more right after this.
0: What is that?
1: Common Sense. Regularly heard on American Radio.
3: Okay. Good morning and welcome to the program. And what do we got? Eighty mile an hour winds? Oof, excuse me. Well, eighty mile an hour winds in Kodiak. Three inches of snow, high wind warnings. Good morning. Um. All right. Uh, snow, glorious snow. How are we going to measure GDP? Says Chris. I have seen that trick before. That's a good question. It's moving over to Ways and Means Committee. Yep. Uh, Ben Carpenter is going to take a crack at it. Let's hope that maybe we can get a comprehensive package that deals with everything. Although I know they'll have to move it as separate pieces. I'm really getting tired of people of you know road-blocking stuff like this and like, well, you know, this is just one piece. Well, you, hey, Jack, why don't you propose another piece and maybe we could find another person to do another piece and then we could put it all together. I mean, I'm just asking. How much money do you reckon the state would save in per diem cost by moving the legislative session onto the road system? Well, since the majority of the Matsu and Anchorage legislators, if it was put somewhere between Anchorage and Wasilla, because it would fall within that 50-mile radius thing, well, the majority of the legislature wouldn't get per diem anymore. That's, I mean, the big chunk of the legislature would not get per diem anymore. Um, so yeah, that would be that would be a, a good a good good take on it. Okay, well, uh, let's uh, do that right there. How about that? Is that better? That's better. There we go. All right, we're about to jump into it with uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. I suppose I should uh, simplify the screen here so that we can go over here and add Brad to it and get started. Good morning, sir. How
2: How are you? Michael, I'm doing great today. How about you?
3: You know, no complaints, my friend. No complaints. It's... Uh, Another beautiful day in paradise. It's only zero, but uh, you know it's you chose the perfect time to come home and uh, enjoy yourself, right?
2: I did. Yeah. I Snow I see, on the ground. I see. I hear the degrees.
3: I hear the furnace in the background, and I hear. I see the big yellow sweatshirt. You're like just trying to get used to the whole thing here. Yeah. Um. It's uh. It's good. You can turn your heat up, Brad. You you can afford a little bit more gas to get everything warm out there, right? Uh.
2: But are you, you happy to be home? I am. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to be home i had uh i haven't had sushi since i've been gone you know illinois sushi is not known known throughout the world as the best place to get it's like
3: gas so that's like the gas station sushi of america right isn't in, is in <laughs> you know
2: yeah. i don't no, no no dispersions intended but but it, uh, first the first meal i had when i got home was uh was sushi oh, I've, good. I've been missing it.
3: good good um. All right. Well, we're uh coming into it here, ready to uh, jump in and start to talk about this. I will have to say, I know you're gonna get into Zach Fields in uh in number two of the weekly top three. Just, I gotta just say, the condescension in this whole opinion piece is just enough to just frost my cookies, man. I tell you what, I just, I just listen. I can hear the sneer in his voice as he's writing this thing. And I'm just like, I am so sick and tired of politicians acting like they're doing us some kind of favor, uh, in this, in this whole thing.
2: Well, Michael, the thing that really triggered me, was when he used the word surplus, that we have a surplus right, of revenues. Right. How are we going to invest the surplus?
3: Yeah. I mean, and that was the clickbait headline, right? That's the clickbait headline is he wants you to look in on his thing because he said we're going to have a surplus. And they're like, What and of course the news flash, what he says is if we don't pay the dividend, we've got a surplus. That's essentially what he says. <laughs> no dividend for you. We got a surplus in government. Now how are we going to invest it? Wait a second. I mean he is literally saying I know better than you how to spend your money.
2: You know people people complain about oil company employees being in the legislature but Zach is is a union employee right and 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 his bill for the child care is just one of the classics of all time. It is essentially to to stateize the child care industry allow them to collective bargain with the state for their for their employees. so how is that any different when somebody right. from the oil companies is in the legislature voting on voting on oil taxes it's not but that's the thing nobody calls him
3: on it all right here we go brad we're jumping back into it folks like it, share like and share like and follow here we go
0: public enema number one. Oh wait sorry uh enemy public enemy number one which makes more sense on the other hand he's a little bit of a pain in the uh michael duke show yeah, oh, oh, oh.
3: Mm, that's right. That's that's what it means. Uh, welcome back. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We are jumping into it. The weekly top three uh, starts right now. Brad Keith Lee, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, joins us every week with three big topics that we've got to address. Uh, and uh, we're going to start things off today with him uh right now good morning sir uh welcome back to the great land and uh thanks for uh thanks for coming on this morning
2: good morning michael uh it's it's great to be back in alaska and it's and it's always a pleasure to be with you wherever well,
3: i am i appreciate it i appreciate it it's good to good to come home every now and then and get your roots down again um all right well let's start off with this brad i really want to get into this because um i got some things to say but i, I want to hear what you have to say so first things first uh I mean, it's just it's, I'll, I'll
2: get first crack, and then yeah. you'll get
3: first crack. I'll get I'll get second crack. So we're looking at the 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 dollars being shifted from the middle and lower income Alaska families to the top twenty percent is pretty amazing. And you actually sat down and did the math and got the numbers cranking. And you took a look at it in your latest piece at the uh, on the Alaska landmine, uh, which is your chart of the week from Friday. And it talks about basically the death of the PFD. How long will it be before the PFD is pretty much gone. Uh, and it's not too long. That's the bottom line. It's not too long.
2: I got a lot of questions after I, after the chart of the week a couple of weeks ago uh, was looking at various fiscal baselines. I got a number of questions about, well, how long is it that the PFD lasts on the trajectory we're on? So I, I did last Friday's chart. I focused last Friday's chart on that subject. And it's not very long. I, by 19, by 19, by 2032, uh, which will be the 50th anniversary of the PFD. The handwriting's pretty much on the wall. It's not gone yet, but there's not much of it left. Uh, if you look at it as a percent of the POMV draw, which is a good way to look at it, uh, by 2032, the PFD, and you're and and I calculate this by taking uh, filling the deficits that we see ahead, uh, the the fiscal deficits that we see ahead, filling those with PFD cuts. By 2032, the PFD is down to 10% uh, of, the, uh, of the POMV draw, and the trajectory is just taking it on down. So by the mid-2030s, shortly after its 50th anniversary, the PFD is essentially a token amount, sort of like the, the equivalent of the statutory budget reserve or the, or the constitutional budget reserve. It's just we sort of keep it around to say we have it, uh, but it's not much. But the, the permanent fund earnings over that period are, are growing. Um, uh, throughout the entire period. I mean, the POMV draw just keeps going up and up and up. So what's happening as the PFD comes down and the POMV draw is is going up, what's happening is we're shifting dollars that, that, are, that are under the PFD being distributed to uh, Alaska families, predominantly a benefit to middle and lower income Alaska families as a percent, as a share of income. We're shifting dollars from that to the other the other use of the pfd now we we talk about the other use of the uh, or the other use of permanent fund earnings we talk about the other use of permanent fund earnings to be to pay for government but looked differently looked at differently what they're what those what those permanent fund earnings are really doing is they're subsidizing taxes or replacing taxes or substituting for taxes if there wasn't permanent fund earnings then we would be having taxes to pay for those deficits to cut to to cover the deficit. So the permanent fund earnings that that are going to government are really going to prevent or to substitute or to or to cover for uh, taxes, which is predominantly a benefit to the top 20%. So what you see over the course of the next decade, and, and we're roughly at 50-50 now. The, the POMV draw is like 46-54, 46 for the PFD. Fifty-four to, to to substitute for taxes. What you see over the next decade is a rapid shift in the um, uh, in the permanent fund earnings from being used to in in, fit, in half to pay for the PFD. That declining from roughly fifty percent down to ten percent, and the portion being and, and and thus the benefit to middle and inco- income lower middle and lower income Alaska families declining from roughly fifty percent down to ten percent shifting over to um, uh, the benefit to the top 20%, being used as a substitute for taxes. And that's going over the next decade from roughly 50% now up to 90% uh, of the draw. That's because the the deficits are growing over that period. Traditional revenues are down. Spending continues to grow. Um, But it's being shifted over. The, The dollars are being taken out of middle and lower income Alaska families, and they're transferring to the benefit of the top 20%. Think for a second what's going on with the top 20%. They would otherwise have to pay taxes to cover the deficits uh, during that entire period. But because of the shift in the POMV draw, uh, the permanent fund earnings to their benefit to substitute for taxes, they're not having to pay for taxes. They're able to keep the money that they would otherwise have to pay for taxes in their pockets. Um, They're not having to pay the taxes. They keep it in their bank account. So what's really going on over this period, over the, over the next 10 years, is we're shifting, taking money out of the hands, out of, out of the pockets of middle and lower income Alaska families. And through substituting for taxes, through using those permanent fund earnings to substitute for taxes, we are, we are allowing the top 20% to keep their money, the same amount of money that's being taken out of the pockets of middle and lower income Alaska families, that money is, is staying in the pockets uh, of the top 20%. And the, and the numbers are, are are sort of staggering over the past seven years, as we've been using PFD cuts, uh, we, we've shifted about $7 billion out of the pockets of uh, through PFD cuts, we've shifted about $7 billion out of the pockets of middle and lower income Alaska families, largely into the pockets of the of the top 20% through PFD cuts. Over the next decade, we're going to shift an additional $17 billion, $18 billion, almost $18 billion out of the pockets of, uh, of, of, of middle and lower income Alaska families into the pockets of the top 20%. So over the entire period, counting the, counting the shifts that have occurred today, up to 2032, we're shifting roughly $25 billion, $25 billion dollars. Out of the pockets of middle and lower income Alaska families, taking that money out of their pockets through PFD cuts and putting that money instead into the pockets of the top 20% by allowing them to uh, avoid taxes, to have continued government spending, uh, and uh, but not having to pay taxes for it. It's a it's a massive amount of of shift in income uh, that's going on between from middle lower middle and lower income Alaska families up to the top 20% normally you think about tax policy and fiscal policy being to the the bad part of it being shifting money out of uh, out of the top 20% into middle and lower income alaska families through progressive taxes but but in alaska we're doing the exact reverse through regressive taxes the most regressive tax system in the nation most regressive fiscal policy approach in the nation we're shifting money out of middle and lower income alaska families into into right into the top 20%. Well, so if, $25 billion, that's a that's a huge number.
3: Well, I think one of the key factors there that you're talking about as well is that while they are taking more of the POMV draw, again, what's supposed to be a 50-50, when they're taking 90%, you're also, again, talking about the permanent fund itself increasing. So the returns are increasing so they're getting a larger portion of a larger piece of the pie and Alaskans are left with crumbs in the end I mean if we're getting ten percent it might be an eight hundred dollar dividend uh, but what it really should be is like a six or seven thousand dollar dividend so all that money is going straight to the state
2: we I did that calculation on the side as I was doing last week's charts i'll 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 print it at some point but the dividend goes from roughly twenty four hundred dollars it should be <laughs> We'll talk about this uh, in a minute when, when we talk about Zach Fields' op-ed. But the dividend this year, just to cover the deficit, is about would be about twenty four hundred dollars. The the amount left over um, uh, after after deducting for the deficit twenty four hundred dollars this year, down to less than seven hundred dollars by twenty thirty two. Uh, it's d- declining over that entire period, and the seven hundred dollars. I mean that quickly goes on down as. Um, as you know as additional years go by additional deficits go by as the 10% shrinks even further
3: brad keithley alaskans for sustainable budgets we're talking about the weekly top three and again this hits uh you know this hits directly in the middle ground um somebody asked the question you know can we get a can we get a valuation on all the uh, uh all the the things that the lower income people receive you know uh snap benefits and all that stuff uh, it's it's not just the lowest in lowest income people that are hit though. It's also the middle class who are getting squeezed on this as well.
2: And and you know people 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 want to say oh SNAP benefits that's a that's a federal benefit. It's not a state benefit. I mean you're you're, you're mixing and matching but, right. It's mixing and matching them. It's administered
3: by the state, but it's a federal benefit.
2: Right, it's federal money. Right. So the only the only really benefit, and it's not really a benefit to lower income Alaska families. The only really benefit that's coming from state dollars that's that's distributed like that that's that's disproportionate uh, to to lower income Alaska families is Medicaid, and and Medicaid is not go, those dollars don't end up in the pockets of lower income Alaska families those doc those dollars end up in the healthcare system end up in the pockets of docs and and hospitals and others in the healthcare system who largely are, are in the top 20 percent the greatest opponents. I, I'll never forget this. The greatest pushback that Governor Dunleavy got when he was talking initially about Medicaid cuts was not, or Medicare cuts, whichever it is, was not uh, was not from lower income Alaska families or representative of lower income Alaska families. It was from the docs, the doctors, and the healthcare system who otherwise are 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 you know taking those dollars and pocketing those dollars and 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 have become dependent on that government on that government program for for their income. So the one state program we have that people might complain about and say oh well, you know, those are benefits to lower income Alaska families that are that are coming out of out of state coffers. Those really aren't benefits. I mean, they get they get the services, but the dollars aren't going into their pockets. The dollars are going into the pockets of the of the docs and the healthcare system.
3: Yeah. Uh, Brad Keithley continues. Uh, let's go on to number two, Brad, uh, the uh, Zach Fields. If you want to give me a uh, if you want to give me a synopsis, we'll go to break early and come back and have see if we can get two and three and in, in one segment there.
2: So Zach Fields has an op ed in the, that you mentioned earlier, has an op ed in the ADN uh, that talks about uh, what to be what we ought to be doing uh, in terms of fiscal policy. And his argument is, that we ought to cut the PFD. Now remember that the PFD, the PFD amount, after closing the deficit that's projected for this coming fiscal year, the PFD amount is about $2,400. Zach says we ought to be cutting the PFD down to $1,000 and using the surplus, as he calls it, uh, for other state spending programs. And we'll talk, we'll talk more about the, about the impact of that. The
3: investing you plebs, you don't pay taxes anyway. So what do you care? That's the kind of the answer that we're, Oh man. All right. We got more coming up. We're going to continue. Brad Keithley is our guest. It is the weekly top three. Feel free to join us in the chat room if you'd like, where you can yell at Brad along with everybody else. Uh, Just go over to facebook.com slash Michael Duke show and uh, you can uh, join us there or on YouTube or on Twitch. We continue with Brad Keithley in just a moment, right here on your for common sense radio.
0: listened to by more staffers in juno than any other show because their bosses told them to and after what they just heard oh man they're gonna be best you're a bad bad man the michael duke show
3: and we're in the break ah there you go um Yeah, this this whole op ed thing is just I mean, I read it and my brain just immediately melted down after reading it because I'm just like the stretches that we go to here. But I can see it already, Brad. I've been talking about this for a long time, that this was going to be the this was going to be the next phase of the attack is that they're going to tell us, well, we don't pay taxes anyway. Now you've got to pay your fair share. Now you've got to do it. They're already starting that, you know, oh, you just, you know, we don't pay any taxes and that's just free money. And, uh, you know, the irony here, of course, is that Zach Fields, his constituency is made up of a bunch of low income people and they should be burning him at the stake over something like this because they're losing $10,000, $15,000 out of their households. If they've got a couple kids or whatever, they're losing a huge amount. And he's basically saying, well, we know better than you how to spend this money.
2: Yeah. Zach Fields is Ron Duncan and Jim Jansen's favorite, uh, favorite legislator, Democrat or Republican. He's just their favorite legislator because, because he's leading the charge for continual cuts in the PFD to pay for bigger government, but the continual, but the continual cuts in the PFD also are shifting over and benefiting the top 20% by uh, avoiding, by enabling them uh, to avoid, uh, taxes. And he just, and, you know, Zach's purpose is to get more money into government to pay for more government employees. We were talking before we were on the show, or 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 or, or during the show, but we were talking about Zach's latest bill, which is to which which is essentially to nationalize or stateize uh, the child care industry by by subsidizing by providing for subsidies to creating a fund to subsidize the child care industry, allowing child care providers to collectively bargain. Uh, with the state for uh, the amount they're going to be paid uh, uh, out of that fund. Just, you know, creating, making child care employees, state employees, essentially. Um, and, you know, and Zach's never met a government program he doesn't like. But he doesn't want to pay for it. He doesn't want to pay for it by having Jim Jansen and Ron Duncan digging into their pockets and paying a proportionate amount of it because he knows if he does it that way, they will oppose the program. The legislature will oppose the program. And so, and so the program won't go forward. So what he's doing is he's taking it out of the pockets of middle and lower income Alaska families, instead shifting the benefits to to Ron Duncan and Jim Jansen by enabling them to avoid uh, paying taxes. And so they go, yeah, you want another program? I don't care. It's not coming out of my pocket. Uh, go ahead, go at it. I mean, it, we saw the same thing with Natasha von Emhoff when she was in the state senate. She, you know, supported additional government programs. Um, At the same time, she supported supported PFD cuts because middle and lower income Alaska families by using PFD cuts, middle and lower income Alaska families paid for those programs as opposed to the top 20%. So Zach's just continuing to, 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 you know, to be Jim Jansen and Ron Duncan's favorite legislator by, by, by pushing additional government programs, but by doing it in a way where they don't have to, Jansen and Duncan and the others in the top 20% don't have to pay the costs.
3: There's plenty of uh, <clears throat> there's plenty of ways that we could uh, cut the spend in the state of Alaska. Brad and I have d- analyzed those, broken them down. There's money left on the table for the oil industry. We could be taking another three, four, five hundred million dollars out of that. We could be doing all those things. Unfortunately, as we pointed out, there just doesn't seem to be the political will to take that approach. I mean, any time uh, we've seen that happen, I mean, even and we keep pointing it out, even when the governor redlined a lot of this stuff that he couldn't get 16 Republicans in the legislature to support his redlining of that kind of stuff as well. So, I mean, we've we've got to take a grip on this and figure out how do we slow roll everything that's happening? Because it seems like right now the majority of players in the legislature, now granted we've got a whole new batch now this year, but in the past the whole majority of the legislature has been on the path to just – creating bigger, badder government programs. We can't figure out how to get them to cut or even to acknowledge that cuts are needed. I mean, the Fiscal Policy Working Group did as part of their thing, but it wasn't all cuts. It was a combination of everything. And that's the problem. We can't get to the cuts-only approach from here.
2: Until until you get Jim Jansen and Ron Duncan and others in the top 20% focused on cuts, until you get them focused on cuts, that's the donor class, that's the... That's the trade trade group class. That's the class that hires the lobbyists. Until you get them focused on cuts, we're not going to have cuts. We're going to have a lot of talk about it, but we're not going to have we're not going to have cuts made. And the only way you're going to get them focused on it is if they have to pay a share of the costs of government. Right now, they don't have to. Using PFD cuts, they avoid paying for uh, the cost of government. So you know we can talk about this. We can talk about the, the, the theory of cuts all day long, as you said, we have for the last decade, but until you have the political will of the top 20 percent, not just not just general political will, but the political will of the top 20 percent of the donor class, of the of the lobbying class, of the, the trade association trade association class, until you have their political will involved in in making cuts, they're not going to happen. Brad Keithley, our guest,
3: Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're going to jump back into it. Here we go. Uh, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio, like and share, like and share. Let's do it.
0: The Michael Duke Show, not your daddy. Wait, sorry, not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. Whew, I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show.
3: That's right. It's not your daddy's talk radio. It's mine. I'm my own daddy, grandpa, whatever. Uh, All right. Welcome back to the program. The weekly top three continues. Brad Keithley, our guest, Zach Fields, wrote a piece. Uh, I think it's the first shot in a bigger battle, a more longer-term battle, and I think it shows the ultimate end game of what some of the legislators there in Juneau want to see, which, of course, is basically subsumption of the PFD into government spending, and they'll throw us a few crumbs at the end. But basically, the whole article entails we know better than you how to spend your money, so you should just shut up and sit down and let us do it. Brad, your thoughts on Zach Field's piece and the breakdown?
2: Well, it's just it's it's basically it, it, it's it's as as I was saying during the break. It's Ron he's Ron Dan- Duncan and Jim Jansen's favorite legislator because Zach Fields wants to grow bigger government. Um, he wants to he wants to uh, uh, expand government services. His child care bill bill is is one example of that. But he doesn't want he 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 doesn't want to trigger the opposition of the top twenty percent. So he's proposing to do it through PFD cuts. Uh, taking it out of the hides of middle and lower income Alaska families, uh, while he while he's growing government, and he and he's you know he's he's setting a target out there of saying, well, we really only need a thousand dollar thousand dollar PFD. That's really sort of the average. It's not, but it's really sort of the average over the entire program. And so you know you ought to be happy with a thousand dollar PFD. And we'll just take all of the additional money above that, and we'll put it into bigger government programs. And what you've got is the top twenty percent saying, yeah, fine because they don't have to pay for it. I mean, Zields, Fields is being very smart about how he's approaching this. He's approaching it in a way that allows him to grow government, but doesn't trigger the lobbyists, the trade associations, the, 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 the big donor class uh, involved in the state. He's, he's able, he's, he's doing it in a way that's, that's, that's trying to uh, trying to run those. Jim Jansen will write an editorial on occasion that will talk about, yeah, we really need to, we need to avoid taxes, so we need to keep using PFD cuts. Uh, and Fields, every time on Twitter and on Facebook, will say, yeah, this is exactly the right approach. This is exactly what, what I've been saying all along. It's like this mutual support group between the the big government left and the, and the anti-tax right. As long as you don't tax me, as long as Ron Duncan and, and Jim Jensen, as long as you don't tax me, then whatever you do is fine. The only way we're ever going to get this stopped is to is to make Ron Duncan, Jim, the Ron Duncans and the Jim Jansons and the top twenty percent, pay their fair share, their proportionate share of of the cost of government. As long as we don't do that, we're going to continue to have things like uh, like Zach Fields. And I know I know people say, well, you know, when we get to taxes, we'll finally stop. It. We'll we'll finally stop. We'll finally stop spending. Hey, I'm not sure that's right. I think you know, given what we've seen, all we'll do is we'll <laughs> shift into the the next most regressive tax approach, which is sales taxes. Continue to take it out of middle and lower income Alaska families. But B, if we wait until we get there before we make the top twenty percent pay their fair share, if we wait until we get there, the PFD will be gone. Middle and lower income Alaska families permanently will permanently will be will be have have suffered uh, uh, the the loss of income that would occur from from PFD payments, the top 20 percent will have converted all of the permanent fund earnings stream to their benefit to cover for taxes. So we've got to we we've got to be stopping it now. We can't wait until we get down to the down to the oh well now we're going to have to go to now we're going to have to go to taxes situation.
3: Uh, Kevin says, "Funny that a union hack is pandering to the captains of industry. Isn't that a little strange? Not in Alaska. That's business as usual. That's corporate cronyism. That's what we're seeing right now." Uh, I mean, is a, a total uh, fee of corporate cronyism where they want the government spending, they need the government spending, and the unions, they love to cozy right up to that because they could see more of that money
2: coming into their pockets through more state employees. Exactly, it's 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 the path of least resistance. I mean, the 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 the, the people that really control the legislature is the donor class, the lobbyist class, the trade association class. They're really the ones that 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 are able to press the buttons that control the legislature. If you don't trigger them, then you're gonna you're gonna be able to to, to you're gonna have a much easier path in adopting the program. And that's exactly what Fields is doing. I mean, he wants bigger government. He wants more government more and more government employees. That's his job as a union organizer to go out and get more government employees. He wants more. Government employees, so he's so he's growing government to have more government employees, to have more to have more union members, uh, members of of his union, and he's doing it in a way that doesn't trigger pushback from the lobbyist class, from the top twenty, from the donor class, and from and from the trade groups. It, it's, I mean, tactically, it's brilliant uh, in terms of, in terms of figuring out a way to get what you want without without triggering the opposition. The only problem is. of Alaska families are ending up worse off. The overall Alaska economy ends up worse off because of that approach. Right. And, 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 and that's the direction we're going. Zach Fields gets what he got, what he wants. Ron Duncan and, and, and Jim Jansen get what they want. It's just 80% of Alaska families are being left out, left out in the cold on
3: this. I love how he goes into the kind of the, uh, you know, professorial history mode here, you know, while payments of PFTs based on the 1982 formula is no longer practical, we can afford PFTs roughly in line with the original legislative intent of roughly $1,000, which is similar to the historic average of dividends over the last four decades. That was, you talk about legislative intent. You could go back and see the legislative intent was that the PFD had the first call on all that money, first of all, and it wasn't it had no dollar figure attached. It was a 50-50. I mean, it was your share of the money just because the overall pot has gotten bigger. And now your share looks nice and juicy to those legislators. Now, all of a sudden, they're like, well, the legislative intent was right. Well, yeah, the legislative intent was it should have first call. It was a transfer. It was not a income and outgo. It was a transfer. If you want to talk about intent, I love how they're trying to twist this to their
2: advantage. Well, and Hammond Hammond always talked about percentages, right? As a, per, as a percent of the permanent fund earnings going to Alaska families and talked about as the as the permanent fund grew and as the earnings grew on the permanent fund a higher higher and higher amount would go to Alaska families to to you know as their share of of the state's commonly owned wealth he never talked about an absolute amount the absolute amount at the time was roughly in that in that range but Hammond never talked about an absolute amount he always talked about about percentages and Alaska families always getting a a, a percent sh- percentage share of the benefits of the of the commonly owned wealth. So yeah, it's I mean, but Zach Fields isn't alone. I remember when the PFD issue first started in the late in the late teens, I had this debate with with uh, 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 Kevin Myers of all people, Republican Kevin Myers. You know, staunch staunch Republican Kevin Myers. And Kevin Myers gave me that that song and dance right. about how the average PFD over time is about you know twelve hundred dollars or fifteen hundred dollars or you know whatever the hell they wanted to make it up to be at the time. If you take out inflation, you can make it almost any number. Or if you use different inflation rates, you can make it almost any number you want. And how and how you know that was the average PFD. And aren't we lucky that we're gonna that, that we're able to continue to do that? No, Kevin, we're not we're not lucky right. that we're able to continue to do
3: that. Yeah, exactly. It's not your money. That's the whole point is that it's not your money. Although you are taking it and you have continued to take it. Let's move on to number three. Here we go. Now we're seeing more money. Uh, you know, we we see the the beg here it comes cook inlet gas. Now they're asking for money. And, uh, and so it begins.
2: Yeah. I, we had a segment uh, a few weeks ago where, you know, the cook inlet, uh, uh gas situation was first, uh, coming up. It was, it was being highlighted in a couple of hearings. And I, and I'd use the Rahm Emanuel quote of, uh, I've never let a crisis or it's old Winston Churchill quote, actually, never let a crisis go to go to waste from a, from a political standpoint. And I and I and I suggested at the time that we need to be on the lookout for people saying, "Oh, Cook Inlet gas crisis. All we need is state money, uh, really, to uh, to solve that." Don't don't worry about it. We got it covered. Just give us the give us the additional funds, either in oil and gas tax credits or or outright grants or whatever. And and it started. We had a hearing last week uh, before the Alaska Energy uh, uh, the House Energy Committee, uh, uh, where they were discussing Cook Inlet gas and John Hendricks. God love him who's the president of fury now bought fury out of uh, bankruptcy uh this this is the quote that comes from the petroleum news which is reporting on hendricks urged the state to reduce royalties and provide production tax relief as well as releasing seismic data providing a just and fair property tax reducing bonding obligations and eliminating duplicative bonding requirements now that last one is probably is probably a good point, and in releasing seismic data is probably a good point. But the rest of it is, give me money by reducing the taxes that you that you that you charge me now. Uh, give me money, and and I'll make it all better. Um, and you know, <laughs> yeah, it's it's give me state money, and I'll and I'll make it all better. What we ought to do with the Cook Inlet is let market forces determine what the best, lowest costs of, of the alternatives are. Some of it may be to pay higher prices to producers in order to provide them incentives to make additional developments. Some of it may be to, to develop an LNG an LNG importation program. Uh, that may be the, the cheaper alternative. But we ought to let the market make the determination of what, of what the best approach is and not try to cover it over again, as we did in the in the early 20 teens, again, with a state uh, oil and gas tax credit program that ends up costing the state a bunch. Um, and and really, from a Cook Inlet standpoint, got us maybe 10 years before we're back into the crisis again. So the market market forces ought to be what determines this. Not uh, we ought not to be using state subsidies, which essentially, you know, when you look at how that works, essentially uh, right now would come out of additional PFD cuts because we're not gonna stop spending. We're gonna need revenue. If we don't have revenue from these sources, the revenue is gonna come out of additional PFD cuts. So we're essentially saying middle and lower income Alaska families ought to be, ought to be paying for additional Cook Inlet uh, supplies. I, that's not how it ought to work. The market ought to determine what we do from the standpoint of the cooking.
3: Well, and and of course, it's where <laughs> the thing is, they can let it sit there and simmer and become more and clo- more and more and closer to a crisis point. And uh, and then, of course, by that time, well, everybody will be in a panic and then they'll be like, spend whatever. That's the thing. I mean, the longer they let this go, the easier it will be to get the money in the long run.
2: Sort of like Burt Steadman's approach to the budget, right? You know, let, right. it, let it simmer. Exactly. Let, let it delay until the end, and then it's a crisis, and everybody has to pass for whatever, yeah. whatever Burt uh, Bert says is the, is the right thing to do.
3: Exactly. Brad Keith Lee, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Um, I mean, that's the weekly top three. Uh, love it or leave it. Uh, it gives you a snapshot into what we're looking at, which is bigger, badder government across the state. That's what it's all about. Brad, thank you for coming on board.
2: Michael, as always, thanks for having me
3: folks we're out of time for this hour we got more coming up hour two is dead ahead Chris story will be joining us midway through the hour we'll be getting our weekly uplift from him meanwhile we'll be back in just a moment with more discussions right after this I uh I mean I, I just can't, I shake my head I read this I re, I read this read this piece and I just look at it and I go, this is, this is where we're headed as a state where basically the state just takes care of everything. And we just shuffle all their money off to them. And we should be happy that we allow them to take care of us kind of thing. I mean, this is the attitude that I'm seeing in this state government. I mean, almost at every level.
2: Yeah. Rob Rob Myers has it right. I mean, essentially we're letting the state we're, we're more and more and more, letting the state drive the economy the, the the proposal if nothing else is the poster child for this the proposal to essentially nationalize or or, or stateize uh, the child care service industry is is a is a is a great example of that but this is I mean what Hendricks is talking about let's do the same thing in the Cook inlet let's let's have private producers because I want the profits but but make me profitable by cutting my taxes. Uh, and taking that money out of somebody else's pocket instead of taking it, taking it out of my pocket. It's just, I mean, everybody's in it for themselves. Ron Duncan and and, and Ron Duncan's in it for expanded, you know, internet service, expanded GCI uh, services throughout the state. Jim Jansen's in it for expanded uh, 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 logistics uh, services in the state. But they don't want to pay for state government. They want somebody else to pay for it. And and cutting PFDs once. Once that bridge got crossed during Walker's administration, you know, it's like it's like the troops are floating, flooding across across that bridge. Once they took the bridge, now, you know, everybody's going across it. You want childcare, cut to PFD. You want, you want to save the cook in? cut to PFD. You want expand internet service out in the bush? Cut the PFD. I mean, it's just everybody is focusing on that as the as the mechanism because the the the, the people whose pocket it gets taken out of out of middle and lower income Alaska families don't have much of a say in the process. It's the trade groups, the lobbyists, uh, the the top 20% donor class. They're the ones that are calling the shot. And as long as they don't have to pay for it, they don't care about increased government spending. And in fact, a lot of them are, are benefiting from it uh as as it increases so well rob and, myers is right that, and the, that's that's where we're headed
3: and the oil companies too of course they're happy with just just keep percolating along we don't want to give any more money we don't want it. we won't let government do it you guys fight amongst yourselves we'll sit back here and just keep pumping your riches out of the ground and take what we need um
2: it, it's, it's astonishing you know we're not gonna yet yeah, michael i i uh, We are not going to get the oil companies to come to the table. We're not going to get oil company taxes back on the table until we get the top 20% concerned they're going to have to give up money. If the top 20% believe, if Ron Duncan and Jim Jansen believe they're going to have to give up money, they'll push the oil companies out in front first. But as long as it can come out of the PFD, as long as as that's that's the source of income, Nobody's gonna go, nobody's gonna go ask the oil companies. Nobody in the top 20% is gonna go ask the oil companies. Nobody in the legislature who who you know responds to the trade groups and to the and to the donor class and to the lobbyists, they're not gonna go ask the oil companies for more money. As long as it's coming out of middle and lower income Alaska families, they're fine with that. We we've got to stop that. We've got to put pressure on the top 20% to come to the table, to bring the oil companies to the table to lessen the burden that otherwise is gonna fall on them. We've got to expand. We've got. We've got to. We've got to broaden the base uh, on which, uh, from which we're deriving revenue. Uh,
3: one of the things that we were talking about before the break was the advance of the uh, of the spending cap that's coming out of the House, and going to Ways and Means now, and of course Cliff Grow is quoted as he always is uh, about uh, you know, oh well, the fiscal policy working group said it had to be this holistic approach, and this is just one piece. That's not going to work, but I don't see Cliff Grow advancing oil taxes or new revenues or cuts or any of the other things that that are talked about in there it's just it's more whack 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 whack, whack instead of actually working to fix the
2: problem yeah the, i mean we, we saw it before in sb what 23 is that is that was that the pomv statute yep. you get a partial solution i mean cliff's right in this respect you get a partial solution people lock in on that and say well we solved the problem we don't have to worry about it anymore and and they forget the other pieces of it. So Cliff's right that it has to be a holistic approach. But you're right, and then and then it ha- and then people have to actually come up with the other pieces of it. And for Cliff to complain about one piece of it without offering the other pieces of it is uh, pieces of it is somewhat disingenuous. The real pre- to me, the real the real key, the real pressure in this legislature is on Ben Carpenter and on the Ways and Means Committee. They're supposed to come up with the holistic approach. And and and, you know, my eyes are on them. I hope other people's eyes are on them looking to them to come up with a holistic approach. They're getting the 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 spending cap bill next after it passed out of House Judiciary. It's going to go to ways and means. And and I hope that they consider it and hold it as they build the other component pieces of the overall fiscal plan and then advance them all together. If they just if they just let that spending cap go on through without putting the other pieces together with it at the same time, it's just going to be like SB23. It's just going to be, you know, another another partial solution that people are going to say, well, we finally did it. We finally got a fiscal plan. We don't have to do anything more for the next seven years or 10 years or 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 whatever. Let's make it the holistic approach And the place to make it. The holistic approach is the place where it's supposed to be occurring in uh, in House Ways and means.
3: Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Donna says, be careful what you ask for. Yeah, I mean, right. I, you know, I, I, I'm i with you. I mean, I, I understand. I don't know how else to fix this whole thing. This this, I mean, I'm watching what the legislators doing, and somebody said earlier, how long will it take all the new people to be subsumed by the legislature? It won't take long. I mean, they. it seems like the majority of them become pod people within a first session, you know, within the first year or so. Um, We've seen people go down there with big ideals and come back the next year like, well, we just can't do what you want us to do, so we're going to have to just go with the flow. And that's part of the problem. But I'm out of time. Brad, thank you so much for coming on board. As always, good to talk with you. Thank you for uh, being part of the show today.
2: Michael, as always, thanks for having me. I look forward to seeing you again.
3: All right. Thanks so much. Uh, Folks, we are out of time. we got more coming up. The Michael Duke Show continues. Common Sense Radio.
0: Thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the Michael Dukes Show.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the, the Michael Dukes Show.
1: The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me.
0: What more could you want from a low budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire.
2: That was just BS.
1: It is time to get a new perspective.
0: We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom.
1: I just don't fathom it.
0: The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world.
3: Across the world on the internet at michaeldukeshow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. It is the Michael Duke Show. Uh, Thank you for coming uh, by and joining us and talking with us this morning. Hour two of the big radio broadcast and we just finished up with Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. And, um, (laughs) oof man some heated discussion in the chat room about all the different things that are going on out there. And, uh, you know, my problem here, and, and I think this is where we need to get back into the, uh, I think this is where we need to get back into the charter of changes, because again, this is part of the problem is that the, and Brad and really one of his key one of the key things that he said during the whole, uh, during the whole discussion this morning was that, you know, that the lower and middle income Alaskans are not being heard. The only group of people that are being heard are the special interests, the NGOs, the lobbyists. They're the only ones that are being heard because they're the only ones that really have access to all of our legislators. And so, I mean, I think that, you know, not only do we need to uh, not only do we need to be talking about changing the players, which. There's some question as to whether or not they, uh, you know, they can hold their metal, so to speak, and not be not be eaten by the machine, and turned into pod people. But the question then becomes, <clears throat> what you know, what about the location? And look, we've talked about the charter of changes in the past, and I think that, I think that it's still important. I think that it is still one of the most Important things that we can do um, to try and change what's going on in Alaska, to try and save Alaska for future generations, as I said on the uh, Charter of Changes uh, 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 graphic here. You know, we need to change the players, yes. And we've done that. We've changed out of now. Have we changed out them? Have we changed some of them out with the right one? Mm, Well, no. We've lost some good ones. We've gotten some good ones. We, you know, we're kind of a mix, so to speak. But changing the venue to me is incredibly important. Uh, Having those people on the road system, having those people uh, that are representing us, you know, see people other than lobbyists, other than people who are there basically with their hand out. I mean, it was something amazing that, uh, I can't remember if it was Rob Myers or Mike Schauer said uh, recently when they were saying, well, we may be in this super minority with no real official minority and everything else. But still lobbyists still show up in their offices every day, not at the same rate as when they were in the uh, not at the same rate as when they were in the the the, the majority. But lobbyists still show up every day. And they still have their hand out asking for certain things and everything else. I mean, this, folks, is this is the issue. This is I mean, this is it. If if you had a steady parade of people coming in through your office door every day with the stories of tales and of tales of woe about how bad it is and how, you know, oh, if only we could make a difference. And you've got the checkbook and you can write us a check to fix this. Uh, you know, that's all they're hearing. They're not hearing average everyday Alaskans coming in to their office and talking about specific bills or tightening the belt or fighting those things. The hearings are filled with, uh, you know, with with people who are there on the government's dime. You know, whether it's lobbyists for the school districts or, you know, PTA or other uh, interest groups that are down there, other NGOs, AML, et cetera. Uh, the municipal league, or somebody else who's in there, sitting in the testimony room, looking at the legislators, make you know, talking to them between the breaks and everything else. Meanwhile, we're all sitting on a phone, waiting to have our say, hoping that they don't cut us off or cut public testimony off on these bills. While we're all waiting in the wings, we've got to we've got to change the venue. We have got to get the legislative session, not the capital. Not the, I don't want to, I don't want to have that fight again. I don't want to have that fight again. Not the Capitol. We have got to get the legislative session onto the road system. Because that's the only way we can have direct interactions and connectivities. Look our legislators in the eye and say, you're doing great or you're screwing up. That's the only way we can do it. And, and uh, I mean, it, unless we start taking these things, these changes seriously, this is what's going to happen. They're going to sit down in Juno. They're going to write their smug and smarmy, uh, you know, condescending op ed pieces about how we should just shut up and sit down and let the adults in the room do the talking and just pat us on the head. And. You know, uh, unless we get a chance to be, get face-to-face with these people all the time to talk about it. Yes, and to verify that they aren't dead or have become pod people, says Brian. Exactly. We need to know. Because it's it's easy when you're out of sight, out of mind. When you're not in connection with your constituency and all you see is the same group of people and the same lobbyists and the same special interests coming into your door every day. Then, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what you're going to see every day. And it's going to wear you down. It's going to grind you down. And pretty soon you just be like, oh, that makes sense. Because you're not hearing the counter argument. You're not hearing the opposite side. I can tell you from sitting on an assembly uh, and watching public testimony, hours and hours and hours of public testimony over the course of my tenure on the assembly. I can tell you when there is a group of people who are in the room who are upset and motivated about something, it has a profound effect on the elected officials who are in the room. It does. It makes them weigh their choices much more uh, than it would if there was just, you know, well, we just emailed testimony in or we phoned. Te- we didn't have phone testimony at the time because, the, you know, the COVID, there was no COVID or anything. But, I mean, if there had been, I could see it when the room was full of people looking you in the eye and talking to you and, you know, verbally poking you in the chest, you got a real good idea of where people stood on this, and I watched it change people's minds right there on the spot. I watched it happen. I watched persuasive arguments when they were being made face-to-face make a difference. When you're an anonymous voice on the phone, when you're not there looking people in the eye, it makes a difference. And, yes, I know the governor tried to call the session and then rolled over and wet on himself and didn't force all the legislators to meet where he called them to meet and et cetera and et cetera. And that was a power struggle that, uh, you know, I mean, quite honestly, the governor weakened that position by basically just by blinking. He should have called it. He should have sent the troopers out. He should have sent the people out to find and to drag them back to where he has called it. Because some of the legislators showed up and were like, we're ready to do business. And he didn't. And we're paying the price for that. And then changing the rules. I mean, we didn't even get into this, but I mean, Kevin mentioned it earlier in the chat room. You have a union employee, right? Zach Fields who works for his day job is working for the unions out there trying to organize and putting bills in that would unionize a whole swath of the private sector. We're talking about childcare now and basically put them. And that's not a conflict of interest. That's not a conflict of interest. I mean, that's, that's insane. That is absolutely insane that he's in there putting bills together, testifying, trying to persuade people on the floor when it is in his own self-interest to do so because they would it would benefit his employer. I mean, there's just no way. I mean, I think of Renee Broker, the borough attorney in Fairbanks, who was one of the, I mean, she was one of the, my favorite people in borough government. She was one of the people that I thought had, I mean, she was a clear thinker. She and I didn't always agree, but I always appreciated her. And I could just see the, her teeth grinding and her eyes locking up and rolling back in her head when she saw this kind of stuff. Because she would have never, it would never have been allowed in a borough uh, assembly something like this going on. Because they have to abide by a different set of rules than the legislature does, even though the legislature wrote those same rules. I mean, think about it, people. We have created a nouveau riche nobility, a whole new noble class who are monkey, who do as I say, not as I do. We don't have to follow the Open Meetings Act. We don't have to follow the conflict of interest rules. We don't have to do, I mean, we, we just do whatever we want to do. Now, you guys have to, I mean, no, no, you guys have to do it. But we, <clears throat> some animals are more equal than others on the farm, right? I mean... The charter of changers, to me, seems more relevant today than it was the day that I penned it and put it together. I mean, it just seems more relevant today than ever before. And I don't know what to do about making this sure that this is front and center. We have to change the players. We have to change the venue. We have to change the rules. We have to change the funding, the way we build the budgets. We've got to do those four things to take control of our state. I don't know as there is the will to do that. I don't know if there is the will in the populace, not in the legislator, in the populace. I don't know if there's the will to do that, to get all that done. But the answer is right there. It's right there. All right. Um, Well, look at that. We're uh, up against the break. So I guess this is where we're going to go. We're going to go to the break. And when we come back, we'll be joined by Chris Story, the man from uh, Homer. He'll be on board with us uh, in just a minute. And we'll get our weekly uplift after the beating that I just gave everybody and Brad Keithley gave everybody. We'll need it. All right, we continue with more in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Suppository. The Michael Duke Show. <sighs> I mean, I'm uh, just so frustrated and disappointed in this whole thing. I mean, I I wish I had a, uh, I wish I had an answer. But I but I don't. Um, I wish I had an answer to. How to fix this and how to make that charter of changes, you know, be front and center of all these things. Uh, I mean, if we could just, if if we could just, you know, if if we could just do one little piece at a time. I'm not saying we have to do it all at once holistically. But I got to tell you, getting the legislative session onto the road system would be a major accomplishment. Changing the rules so that the conflict of interest rules and the open meeting rules applied would be a major accomplishment. And you're right, Jim. I've known that. I've known that for quite a while. My view is the minority now. That's what he says. He says, your view is the minority now. Yeah, you're right. My view is the minority now. The views expressed in this program and of many of you is now in the minority. That's just that's just how it is. That's just how it goes. All right. Oof. All right. Um, I've now depressed myself. We are going to continue here uh, in just a minute. We've got uh, we've got Ben Carpenter who's coming up and we're going to talk with him here in just a minute. And I'm not Ben Carpenter. Chris Story. Sorry. Working on getting on the program on the program tomorrow. We're going to have Rob Myers filling in for. uh, uh, Mike Shower. And uh, working on seeing if we can get another guest for hour one. Um, But, yeah. This view has been the minority for a while. It was just hidden when we could paper over it with money. He's not wrong. I mean, we're seeing this subtle shift in, you know, and I think a part of it is it may not truly be a minority viewpoint i think that there's a lot of people who basically just thrown up their hands and given up and walked away i think they may believe like we believe but they're so frustrated with the system and in and and everything that's going in with it they just whatever and we're creating whole generations of children who look at the system and they because they're part of the system and they've been told time and time and time again that government is the solution to all your problems. That there's a problem, then that's a government's responsibility is to fix it. Um, you know, we should quit. What did what did uh, what did uh, uh, Brian say earlier? Brian said something like, "We should." Um, I'm sorry. He said basically, forget about the rugged individual. We should basically stop fooling ourselves with the rugged. Uh, here it is. Let's end. The rugged individualist trope for Alaska, shall we? Sounds like we are willing, uh, willingly becoming serfs. That's the thing. I mean, we used to pride ourselves in Alaska. I mean, we're the great land. We're the last frontier. We don't need no government program or handout. Well, apparently we do, because that's what everybody—that's what everybody's looking for—is another government. Hand- I mean, I've never looked for a government handout in my life, but apparently there's people out there that are just like. Yeah, what can I get? How can I go? What do I do? Forget about that rugged individualism. It's a lie. All right. Wow, really depressing myself here. Uh let's go over here and uh double check to make sure Chris Story is uh, with us and ready to go. Hello my friend, how are you doing? Good morning, Michael. What do you yourself? I Okay, good. Uh, I just want to make sure. As long as I'm spreading the misery equally, that's all that matters. Um, all right, Chris. Well, you're uh, you're good to go. Hold the line. We'll be right back to you. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Here we go.
0: The Michael Duke Show. Seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. <sighs> pinch of intellect. <laughs> Sorry. That is humorous. Here's Michael Dukes. Yep.
3: We're ready to go. Ready to do it. We're ready to talk about it. It's time for the man, the myth, the legend, Chris story. He comes in to join us and to give us a weekly uplift and, uh, you know, just to, to try and and bring us up from the Downerville that I just tried to drive us straight through. It's like, we just took a trip through downerville in your mom's station wagon. And, uh, I said your mom. Uh, it's uh, Chris Story. Hello, my friend. How are you doing this morning? I mean, the podcast is going to be a hot mess today because i got to cut the whole Chris segment out. So if you're listening right now, I apologize because Chris Story was not heard. He was only heard on the radio. It wasn't on my recording. It wasn't on the Internet. It wasn't anywhere else. All right. let me Let me launch the phones here, and we'll see if you guys can hear this uh in just a in just a minute let's uh come on it it only takes a minute i only have i only have a minute here <laughs> here we go so we're launching the phones and here we go let's see if we can hear the phones thanks for calling the call in line of the michael duke show powered go. and sponsored by satellite west you'll find them at satellitewest.com i'm so about to push you guys should hear all that right you guys are hearing all that good I'm glad. I'm hoping. (sighs) Tomorrow morning, March 1st, 8 a.m., House Education Committee will hear school choice presentation from Bob Griffin and other national experts. All right. I'm looking forward to that. Thank you for that info, David. I appreciate it. And I'm sorry that you guys had to deal with that. Uh, You heard the phones thing, though, right? Just confirming because it showed up on my recording. So I'm assuming you guys heard it. <clears throat> <clears throat> Disappointing. I don't know what's going on, but we'll we'll figure it out. Um Okay, we're about 45 seconds out. 45 seconds out. I even I even killed the stream and restarted the stream. Cause I thought it was I thought it was the broadcaster, but it no, it's the it's the soundboard. That's the, that's the downside. Oh, God. My honey, me, sesame, chicken is a hit. Well, it's got all great things in it. It's got honey and sesame and chicken in it. Why would it not be a great hit? That's delicious. It sounds delicious. Now I'm hungry. Thank you. All right. We're about 15 seconds out here, folks. Uh, we're going to jump back into it. The Michael Duke show, common sense, liberty-based, free Thicket radio, like and share. Like and follow, do all the youtube stuff. Probably not for today's show, though. It's just what it is. <music> Okay, well, phone lines are open right now, and yes, we could talk about the extended car warranty if you want, or you could sell me some rust-proofing in the extended package. I'd love to talk about that this morning. Feel free to do so. <laughs> Undercarriage rust-proofing, I'm all about that this morning, whatever you want to talk about. Open line, open form for the final segment of the show today, uh, because I kind of... Uh, I'm just jonesing about this charter changes thing that we just can't seem to get can't seem to get the traction on that we need because everybody's looking to the government with their hand out like can you help me can you I want to be I want to be the thing I want to talk about it um and somebody from the Alaska Policy Forum is calling me but the phone thing is broken um so not going to work you have to call in 907-433-3150 if you'd like to call in feel free to do so 907-433-3150 of course this hour the program being brought to you by our friends over there at satellite west uh from uh from delta to diomede from uh nanilchik to Naknik, from west twin to willow yeah Wasilla. See, I got it all. It's all over there at Satellite West. They will keep you connected anywhere in the state. Anywhere in the state, they will take care of you, whether it's for email or text messages or just a simple phone call or maybe surfing the internet. They have got a full load of items to help you stay connected throughout the state. So go over there and check them out at satellitewest.com. And, of course, you can find all their local dealers there as well. Okay, Uh, we've got uh, one line. Whoops, I forgot to to put all the lines on hold because there you go. Got to set it up for putting the lines on hold. So I got one line on hold, and we're going to jump over there right now and talk to them and see what uh, they want to talk about, and we'll uh, see where we go from here. So we start off. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from?
1: Hey, good morning, Michael. This is David Boyle calling from Anchorage.
3: Hey, David. Uh, Good morning, David. What's on your mind, my friend?
1: Well, I just, you know, I I put in the chat room that House Education is meeting tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock for a two hour presentation by uh, Bob Griffin from the Alaska Policy Forum on school choice. And there are going to be some other experts testifying as well. Leslie Heiner from the former Friedman Foundation which is now called schoolchoice.org. She's going to present on the constitutional issues and the three most recent uh, U.S. Supreme Court decisions regarding school choice and its constitutionality. Uh, Then you're going to have Ben DeGro. He's from uh, Excellence in Education, the organization that was uh, started by Jeb Bush back in the early 2000s. Totally dedicated to education and how to improve it. Right. But they're going to, you know, if people want to find out about school choice and what's possible in Alaska, and how it's working today, the little bit that we do have, they need to tune in at eight tomorrow morning. at House Education
3: on gavel to gavel. What um, are there any uh, are there any bills out there on the school choice right now, or is this just exploratory, or what is this, Dave? Are you there? Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry, David. My question was, is there any bills out there right now, or is this just exploratory? Is this just informational? Uh, Are there any bills that are out there for school choice? Uh,
1: No, Michael, there are no bills in the hopper as of now for school choice, and this is just basically informational. I think it's probably we could call shooting the battlefield for what's to come. Okay. Well, I mean, I
3: could see that. It's good to get the information. So 8 a.m. tomorrow, House Education Committee, all the school choice presentations. We'll get all the details, and that'll be on gavel-to-gavel. So we should be good to go, right?
1: Yes, yes, it will be. And and that's going to be basically sponsored by the Alaska Policy Forum, just an informational presentation. And people that maybe have a little bit of knowledge or need to grow they they should listen in to what the rest of the nation is doing as well to improve uh, student achievement. And thanks a lot, Mike.
3: Thank you, David, for calling in and giving us the heads up on that. We appreciate it. Uh, another phone call at 907-433-3150. Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from?
1: Uh, this is Bonnie in North Pole.
3: Good morning, Bonnie. What's on your mind there?
1: Um... Uh, there's going to be ranked choice voting uh, events tonight at North Pole Hotel. It's from six to eight p.m.
3: And this is for the uh, this Wednesday
1: is Wednesday night. What?
3: This is for the repeal of ranked choice voting, right? I what? mean, this is the this is the the organization yes. to repeal, to ranked, repeal choice?
1: Yeah. Yes. Oh. ranked choice. Repeal, yes. Ranked choice
3: voting event. Right, I know. Campaign. Yeah, you said that. You said it was a ranked choice voting event. I just wanted people to know that it was a repeal the ranked choice voting event.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes, you're right, yes.
3: Okay, so Hotel North and Pole, and where's the second one? one? What? The Hotel North Pole, where's the second what? one?
1: The other one is Wednesday from six to, eight, 6 to 8 at the Roundup.
3: Okay. Wednesday, 6 to 8 at the, the in Roundup Hotel. Yep. The Roundup restaurant across from uh, Nissan there on South Cushman. Okay. And people can come there and they can get, they what, they could sign the petition. They're going to learn about the event. They're going to do all that.
1: Yes. Uh, come and bring your friends and family.
3: And the big question, Bonnie, is: Can they pick up signature books there to carry themselves?
1: Yes, they can come and get their signature books. Yes.
3: Okay. All right. Well, fantastic, Bonnie. Thank you for uh, thanks for giving us the info. I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Bye.
3: All right. Bye. Uh, thanks for. I mean, I wasn't trying to drag it out of her. I just wanted to make sure that we were clear on it, that it was all good. No, that's all you're all you're good. Um. All right. Well, coming up on tomorrow's program, uh, we're going to be joined by um Senator Rob Myers. He's going to be joining us in hour two in a uh, in the slot that is normally with Mike Shower. Uh, And we're working on another legislator. Hopefully we will have another legislator in hour one to kind of get an update on what's going on. Um, And we'll see. We're hoping Ben Carpenter might join us uh, to talk about uh, the Ways and Means Committee and the whole fiscal policy uh, plan, maybe bringing in the fiscal policy working group discussion and everything like that. And, uh, I'd love to uh, 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 hoping that he'll be on board to talk with us. We'll see we'll see what happens. But definitely, Rob Myers will be joining us in hour two of the broadcast, and we'll have a full two hours of that. On Thursday, nothing set up yet, but I'm working on a couple things. Um, I wanted to, after the success of the interview with author Mark Cameron, I thought it would be kind of fun to do like an Alaskan author segment every month or so on the show. And so I'm kind of working my way towards that to where we can get a new Alaskan author every month on the program just to talk about some of the books or audiobooks or things that they're putting together. Uh, and hopefully that'd be something that you guys enjoy as well. Something a little bit lighter side, something just a little bit different. and uh, i'm uh, I'm hoping that uh, I'm hoping that we can make that fun. And of course, we'll try and have good news and everything like that. On Friday, we're working on Dr. John Lott uh, to come on the program to talk about his latest piece on gun-free zones and red flag laws. And that will be, hopefully, a uh, a good discussion on Friday. Plus, of course, Willie Waffle from wafflemovies.com, who comes in to join us uh, every Friday for our weekend entertainment report. And so that'll be, that'll be the good stuff there. Okay, well... Um, we're coming to the end for today, folks. Hopefully, we I mean, I don't know. I'm hoping, did I inspire you or did I just depress you? I'm not I'm not sure which yet. But again, as I keep telling myself, we can't grow weary in well-doing. We gotta keep pulling for what we want. We gotta keep pulling for what we believe is the right direction. And I believe that a smaller, more limited government would benefit all Alaskans in the long run. Although it's hard to compete. With all that free Uncle Sugar money, right? It's hard to compete with that when they're out there doing their thing. And, uh, but we we just can't stop. Can't, can't stop. All right, my friends. We're out of time for today. We will see you tomorrow for Hump Day and the 1st of March. How did we get here already? The Michael Duke Show. You're so depressed you might start drinking Folgers. Now that's crazy talk. Ain't nobody that depressed. Right? Nobody is that depressed. I mean, woof. Yikes. That's just, that's some, that's some sheer badness right there. I'm, even I'm not that depressed to start drinking Folgers. Okay, my friends. Well, we're out of time for today. Again, apologies on the audio for Chris Story. I don't know what happened there, but we'll figure it out. We'll be back with more Common Sense Radio in just uh, 24, 22 hours. 22 hours, I guess, not 24. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a great day, my friends. See you then.